Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise, and thank you. Thank you for allowing us to walk this journey with you for all of these months, and we'll talk more about it in a minute, but it looks like we've got another couple of weeks to go. Yeah, that was some pretty sad news when we were either staying up late last night or got up early this morning to hear, but God is with us, and it will be well. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, we want to start today. We have an entire family reciting Psalms chapter 91 today. Brother John. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fiery snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the hour of the silence by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, beloved, let's talk for a minute and then we're going to pray. I know that was discouraging news last night, more so for all of our church mates in Cebu. They went back under enhanced. I can't imagine having to go back under enhanced again. But thank God in Manila, we're, we're just at the general. But let's pray for all of our members in Cebu because, man, this is hard. This is hard to go back under enhanced. So let's pray for our all of our friends and our members and our family members in Cebu. But now let's talk about here. I can just see Facebook today. And I do pay more attention to Facebook since this thing has come on. I, I was never much of a faith, Facebook person. That was Sister Bev's thing. But during this, it's allowed me to keep track of things and watch how things are going in people's lives. I can just imagine it today. Planes from Wuhan are allowed to land in the Philippines and still we're under quarantine. I can just imagine the the vitriol that will flourish today on Facebook. But beloved, there are some things you cannot change. And like the old prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, you know, there are things that you just have to learn. 
God help me to know the difference. There's nothing that you can do. There's no anger. There's no no retaliation. There's no vitriol that you can spew that's going to change things. So let's just calm our hearts and lift our souls to God today and realize he knew this was coming. It's going to be okay. It's going to be well with you. His promises are still true. Faithful is he who has promised. He is a faithful God. He is abounding in love and faithfulness. And sometimes you just need to remind yourself of those promises. And you need to remind yourself that, you know what? God's got this for me. It's going to be okay. Uh, All weekend I got to preach to you that fun sermon on, you know, it's going to be all right. Remember, you've done what God asked you to do. Now watch God fulfill his promises in your life. But now I would take that a step farther. Just remember, faithful God. It's going to be okay. Don't get angry. Don't get upset. The only, the only thing walking around with a heart full of anger does is hurt yourself. All it does is hurt yourself. So please, just calm your soul within you. Say, I don't know how to do that, Pastor. Just sit down and read the Bible for a few hours today. It's amazing how the peace that passes all understanding will begin to flood into your heart. Father, That was discouraging news to get last night. We were so looking forward to services again. We were so looking forward to being able to move freely, move around with our families, begin to take some of our loved ones outside. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you calm every heart today. Calm every heart today, Father. We are so grateful that we have been redeemed from this plague that sticks in Deuteronomy 28. Jesus, you hung on a tree to take that curse, that curse of a plague that sticks, and to bring the blessings of Abraham upon our lives. We remember this, Father, and we declare our faith in you. And Lord, I come for every businessman that's even more worried now, calm their hearts. For every father and mother that's more worried now, calm their hearts. For every young person, Lord, that's more concerned about their education than ever before, calm their hearts. For every Lolo and Lola and every child, Lord, that fear has gripped their hearts yet again, calm their hearts. Jesus, give your peace into the hearts of your people today. Give your peace into their hearts. Father, in Jesus' name, just give your peace. It's a beautiful gift into the hearts of your sons and daughters today. And Father, I thank you that you shall continue to bless all the work of their hands, that everything they set their hand to do is going to flourish this week in Jesus' name. They're going to have more food sales. They're going to have more mass sales. They're going to have more shield sales. They're going to have more babinka sales. They're going to have, going to have more sweet delicacy sales. Oh, Father, bless the work of their hands. For our businessmen, Father, more contracts coming to them. For our contractors, Lord, construction has opened up. Let them have lots of wonderful contracts for renovations and for building new buildings and building new homes. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, let your hand rest upon our people. We thank you for it. But more than anything else, Father, we thank you for your peace, for your peace. In Jesus' name. Bo shakalarandikisata. Bola Ramahasha Mokosondi Andarabakali Kita.
Bosolo ramoshamo kosi kaleanda rabokora. Sikara. Sokoriata samo kitanda. Oh, for your peace, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
please let me talk to you about a few announcements today. We we thought we were going to be shifting gears very dramatically starting today, but well, maybe we're going to downshift a little bit rather than than keep going faster. So please let me remind you, we have not taken um, reservations for the drive-in services, but we will be doing drive-in services again next weekend, Saturday at 7.30, Sunday morning at 7.30, and 9.30 at South Campus. Now, we're not doing it at all the campuses because we don't have the same setup. We're in the middle of a big giant field. Everybody leaves us alone. We have permission from Las Vegas mayor's office and from our local barangay captain. Uh, we have a small FM transmitter set up there. Many of you have already been there. So if you'd like to be in one of the drive-in services, did I say you can't get out of your car? Did I say you can't get out of your car? All right. Like one family said, Pastor CR. I said, as soon as the service is finished, stop by Avia. There's lots of big public CRs there. Uh, we're sorry, but these are the rules that have been put on us and we have to live within the rules. So takes a little longer to do the offerings and things. We pass out communion and things as you come in because we can only have 10 workers out there under the, the, the lockdown requirements. So if you want the drive-in services, please call your district pastor or call your campus pastor right away and reserve a slot. This is by reservation, 7.30 Saturday, 7.30 Sunday morning, 9.30 Sunday morning. Fortress 91 still continues from 7 a.m. until 5 p.m. every day, and that's because of curfews. Um, uh, we can go a little longer, but I'm still waiting to see the guidelines on that. Uh, Kazan City was saying they're lifting the curfew till 10 o'clock. We'll, we'll see how this is going to be implemented in a day or so. We may extend our Fortress 91 hours in uh, QC uh, at, on, on our Commonwealth North Campus. Uh, but Fortress 91 continues. And really, those of you who live near one of the campuses or you're past close to a campus on your way to or from work, Stop every day, have a few moments of worship, and have communion together. Um, we are going to be doing something different. The kids will continue every day uh, until the end of this month, at least. Uh, we will continue our morning devotions, and we'll continue the evening services with First Corinthians. Uh, but we're adding something new, and we were getting ready to add this because if they took us to modify general, basically the seniors were going to be left home alone. So we've gotten some things ready. Uh, we might delay a week now, all right? So we might delay one week. Uh, so maybe next week we'll start, but we're going to have a new everyday series, Monday at least, Monday through Friday, for the seniors. Uh, and it's going to be a segment-based thing, something like the kids' show only set for our seniors so that you have something special every day to look forward to also. Now, visitation. Many of you have asked us about visiting people in their homes. I know what the government has announced on television uh, that we're free to do this, but the implementation on the barangay level has been a very different matter. Some barangays, walang problema, some barangays ay nokoe. Uh, they're still locked down with fences across. So give us another week to get this kind of figured out on the visitation. And then what we may do after that is visitation by request. All right. So we're, we're still moving forward, just maybe baby steps, but we're, we're still moving forward. All right. We've got a beautiful testimony for you now. We want to encourage you to keep being the hands and feet of our Lord Jesus, even though we also have our own needs, because He sees that, He knows that, and He is the rewarder of our good deeds. We want to testify how good our God is and how He provides for His people. 
numbers, both our salaries are still compensated and even we receive bonuses from our work. Praise God. Another thing is that for long months of being quarantined or staying at home, when most of those whom we know are uh, even posting their bills on social media with their bills doubled or tripled, but for us, we were surprised to see that our bills for two months are lower than the bill before the quarantine started. And lately, we're given the opportunity to earn extra profit from at first supposed to be a hobby to collect and grow succulent plants and even and when I inquired online as being sold by Seth then I believe God gave me the idea to sell some of it to those whom we know by posting it on my FB account and then the orders keep coming and they even look for other plants and gardening needs so now we're also selling ornamentals herbs veggies and even garden soil because mostly now are engaged to gardening also Truly we have a wonderful God who is our shepherd. And He is mindful of us every day and He is busy thinking about how He can be gracious to us. As one of our life verses says in Psalm, Psalm 27, 13, Yet I am confident of this. I will see the goodness, goodness of, the of the Lord in the land of the living. living. Amen. Amen. Oh, I just love to see God's blessings upon the lives of our people. Now, many of you have been texting me because we thought we were coming to the end of this saying, thank you, Pastor. You've been there every day for us. You haven't had a day off and all this time. But folks, I want you to remember, I could not have done this if Brother Jong hadn't been there. So when you see Brother Jong, and he gets really embarrassed when I do this, but if, when you see Brother Jong, give him a big pat on the back. Well, maybe give him a big elbow bump and say thank you because, I mean, he's worked I mean, he's worked just as hard, maybe harder than me during all of this time, and I could not have come to you every morning and every evening, and we could not have had the kids show, we could not be doing the scene, we couldn't be doing all of this. So when you see Brother John, give him a big thank you, he has really helped us get through all of this. And you know, I was sitting here looking at my pad today going, okay, we've got morning devotions, we've got evening service, we've got a kids show, we've got a senior show. We've got the young people doing all of their things. We've got the, the teenagers doing their things. We've got the high schoolers doing their things. We almost have enough for our own TV station. I mean, this is absolutely, it's kind of ridiculous in a funny way. All right. Would you open your Bibles today to Acts chapter 9? Acts chapter 9, Paul has just gone through this beautiful salvation. And Again, I just rejoice when Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Jesus didn't bring up his past. Jesus just pointed him toward his future. In a nutshell, that's what salvation is all about. Our past is forgiven. Our past is cast as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again. And now Paul picks up his new destiny. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. When God forgives us, he forgets our past and just builds a beautiful future for us. That is salvation. Now, let's pick up today in verse, oh, verse 19, about halfway through. For some days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. This is right after his salvation and his healing. So for a few days, he's there. And immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. Now, he didn't wait six months. He didn't go to Bible school first. He immediately began to preach Jesus in the synagogues. Now that, that's amazing. I mean, during these three days, he must have 
gone back and remembered. Remember, this man was a man deeply studied in the scripture, deeply studied in the laws of Moses and the prophets. He immediately proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now, you've often heard me say that when we're born again, everything becomes new but your brain. We have to renew our minds. So all of the, it's not like God wipes out our education. It's not like God wipes out everything we've ever learned. Everything becomes new spiritually in our life, but our brain's the same. Everything we've learned is the same. That's why we have to renew our mind. We have to learn to think in God's logic. Well, in those three days while he meditated in blindness and fasting, in the days that followed, Paul put scriptures together that he had always known. And I put a little note in my Bible. You wonder how long Paul had studied. Is this the Messiah? Had Paul, out of intellectual curiosity, studied Jesus? I mean, he was a member of the Sanhedrin court. He had privy to all the information about Jesus. He heard everything that was reported to the Sanhedrin. Had Paul begun already to make a study if Jesus was the Messiah? Had he reviewed all of those verses about Messiah throughout the law of Moses and the prophets? And now everything falls into place. All of that learning that Paul had in the past falls into place. This is why he could preach so incredibly and confound the Jews and prove that Jesus was the Christ. All that he had learned just fell into the proper places. Fell into the proper places. Let me say that again. Fell into the proper places. Have you ever been studying and you knew things and you knew things and then something hits and everything falls into place and now you understand? That's what it was like for Paul. When many days had passed, so he preached many days there. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Now, you know, if you can't, if you can't out-argue somebody, you try to kill them. The Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul, and they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples, now he debates with and saying, no, Jesus is the Christ. That's fascinating. He goes right back to these people that he once led in, in the persecution and said, no, we were wrong. He goes back in among his friends. Wow. He goes back to his friends that he had misled and corrects, attempts to correct their doctrine. Now, that is, that is an amazing truth. He went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, and they were seeking to kill him. Now, now his friends want to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea. We've been to Caesarea. That's our very first stop after we leave the airport when we go to Israel, and sent him off to Tarsus. Caesarea was the great port city and actually the Roman military headquarters. Verse 31. So the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Notice, church growth does not happen in persecution. 
Church spread happens in persecution. Church growth happens in peace. Now that there is peace, the church in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was being built up. The church was growing spiritually and numerically. Verse 32. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, so Peter traveled all over Israel, Galilee, Samaria, Jerusalem. So as Peter went here and there among them all, he went down to the saints who lived in Lydia. And there he found a man named Ananias, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Now notice, Jesus Christ heals you. Peter did not say, I heal you. Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. Now, again, he has to act in faith. And immediately he rose. So again, there's a, a command of faith given and a response of obedience given, and then there's a miracle. And all the residents in Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. So the fruit of a miracle, a harvest of souls. Now there was at Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. So this was a good woman. She was kind to everybody. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her feet, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. When he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping, and showing the tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put them outside. Now, if you're going to raise the dead, you don't do it publicly. Now, go through the scriptures. If you're going to raise the dead, with the exception of Jesus with the woman's son, you don't do it publicly. Jesus can do anything publicly, but I'd recommend you follow what others did who weren't Jesus. They did it privately. But Peter put them all outside, and he knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. Now, here's the truth about raising people from the dead. Have I ever raised anybody from the dead? No. I would like to. I'd like to see that. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, notice, turning to. So he had his back to death as he prayed. And after he prayed, then he turned to death and commanded. Now, th there's a truth that you need to see. It's kind of hard to have faith when you're facing a dead body. Sometimes you have to show death disrespect. He turned his back on death and he faced the God of life. And then he turned to the body and commanded, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. Now that's interesting. He didn't say, Tabitha, arise in Jesus' name. You see, a prayer of faith and a command of faith is different. In prayer, we always pray in Jesus' name. He had now prayed in Jesus' name. Now he turns and gives a command of faith. Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave, gave her his hand and raised her up. Then, calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. When it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Again, the fruit of a miracle is a harvest of souls. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon the Tanner. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. One. 
single drop of rain, your salty tear became blue ocean, and one tiny grain of sand turning in your hand the world in
Let's pick up today in 2 Kings chapter 10. Uh, Jehu has been anointed king over Israel, which is the 10 tribes now, the northern 10 tribes. He has slaughtered all the descendants of Ahab according to uh, the prophecies. He has seen the Jezebel die and be eaten by dogs. So all of these things have come to pass. He has struck down all of their descendants as prophesied. Now we get to verse 18, and he's not done yet cleaning house. Sometimes when you first take over a situation, you need to clean house. Now he continues to clean house. Then Jehu assembled all the people and said to them, Ahab served Baal, this false demon god, a little, but Jehu will serve him much. Now therefore, call to me all the prophets of Baal and all his worshipers and all his priests, let none be missing, for I have a great sacrifice to offer to Baal. Whoever is missing shall not live. But Jehu did, did it with cunning in order to destroy the worshippers of Baal. And Jehu ordered, Sanctify a solemn assembly for Baal. So they proclaimed it. And Jehu sent throughout all Israel, and all the worshippers of Baal came, so there was not a man left who did not come. And they entered the house of Baal. So this was not a really big cult. Okay, this was... One building cult. And the house of Baal was filled from one end to another. And he said to him who was in charge of the wardrobe, Bring out the vestments for all the worshippers of Baal. So he brought out all the vestments for them. Then Jehu went into the house of Baal with Jehonadab the son of Rechab. And he said to the worshippers of Baal, Search and see that there is no servant of the Lord here among you, only the worshippers of Baal. So they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had stationed 80 men outside and said, The man who allows any of those whom I give into your hands to escape shall forfeit his life. So as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, Jehu said to the guard and to the officers, Go in, strike them down, let not a man escape. So they went in and put them to the sword. The guard and the officers cast them out, and they went into the inner room of the house of Baal. And they brought out the pillar that was in the house of Baal and burned it. And they demolished the pillar of Baal and demolished the house of Baal. And it became a latrine, a toilet, 
<laughs> and it became a latrine to this day. Thus Jehu wiped out Baal from Israel. But Jehu did not turn aside from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he had made Israel to sin, that is, the golden calves that were in Bethel and Dan. Now notice, this, this, this cow cult, I mean, it's around, obviously it was there before among the people of Israel down in Egypt, because immediately Aaron wants to make them a golden calf. And you see it, we saw it, this cow head, this calf's head carved into the back of Solomon's throne. This was something that was deeply embedded in these people. The golden calves that were in Bethel and Dan. And the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my eyes, and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart, so your sons of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. But Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. Remember, he didn't remove the calves. He did not turn aside from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin. In those days, the Lord began to cut off parts of Israel. God began to shrink the promised land. Now, you need to understand that. I, I watch businessmen. God is patient, God is patient, God is patient, and then God begins to cut off pieces of their business. God begins to shrink it. Interesting. I've watched God do that to churches. Rather than the church continuing to expand and open new branches and open new campuses and new souls saved and new connect groups, God begins to cut off things. Hazal defeated them throughout the territory of Israel. Now, Hazal is the king of Syria. From the Jordan eastward, all the land of Gilead, the Gadites, the Reubenites, the Manassehites, and from Arar, and from the valley of Arnon, that is Gilead and Bashan. Now, the rest of the acts of Jehu, and all he did, and all his might, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehu slept with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria. And Jehoahaz, his son, reigned in his place. The time that Jehu reigned over Israel in Samaria was 28 years. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, now Ahaziah is the king of Judah that has died, remember? He's killed by Jehu. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she rose and destroyed all the royal family. Okay, queen mother wanted to take charge. So she was willing to kill all of the children of her son. She was willing to kill all of her sons. She was willing to kill all of her daughters. She was willing to kill all of her grandchildren. Now, what, what kind of a woman does something like this? I mean, what kind of a twisted, broken thing is in a woman where she would kill her own children and her own grandchildren? But she killed, she destroyed all the royal family because she wanted power. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, the sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being put to death. And she put him and his nurse in a bedroom. Thus they hid him from Athaliah, so that he was not put to death. And he remained with her six years, hidden in the house of the Lord, hidden in the temple. In Solomon's temple, he was hidden while Athaliah reigned over the land. But in the seventh year, Joadiah sent and brought the captains of the Karaites. Now, Joadiah 
This, this is the different guy. Joadiah is the priest, all right? Joadiah sent and brought the captains of the Karites, of the guards, and had them come to him in the house of the Lord. And he made a covenant with them and put them under oath in the house of the Lord. And he showed them the king's son, and he commanded them, this is the thing that you shall do. One third of you, those who come off duty on Shabbat, shall guard the king's house. Another third being at the gate Sur, and a third at the gate behind the guards shall guard the palace. And the two divisions of you which come on duty in force on the Sabbath and guard the house of the Lord on behalf of the king shall surround the king, each with his weapons in his hand. And whoever approaches the ranks is to be put to death. Be with the king, and when he goes out and when he comes in. The captains did according to all that Joadiah the priest commanded. And they each brought his men who were to go off duty on Shabbat with those who were to come on duty on Shabbat. And they came to Joadiah the priest. And the priest gave the captains the spears and the shields that had been King David's, which were in the house of the Lord. Now, can you imagine? These men knew they were about to do something special. They were given the shields and the spears that King David and his men used that had been kept in God's house. All these years, all these years, those spears and shields have been kept. Can you imagine how they felt holding the spears and shields that David and his mighty men used? Wow. And the guard stood every man with his weapons in his hand from the south side of the house to the north side of the house, around the altar and the house on behalf of the king. Then he brought out the king's son and put the crown on him and gave the testimony. And they proclaimed him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. When Athaliah, this murderous grandmother, heard the noise of the garden of the people, she went to the house of the Lord, to the people. And when she looked, there was the king standing by the pillar according to the custom. And the captains and the trumpeters beside the king and all the people of the land rejoiced and blew the trumpets. And Athaliah tore her clothes and cried, Treason, treason! Then Joadiah the priest commanded the captains who were set over the army, Bring her out between the ranks and put her to death with the sword, anyone who follows her. For the priest said, Let her not be put to death in the house of the Lord. So they laid hands on her, and she went through the horse's entrance to the king's house, and there she was put to death. And Joadiah made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people. The leader, the people, and the Lord. And also between the king and the people, that, excuse me, that they should be the Lord's people. And also between the king and the people. Now notice, a covenant that we will serve the Lord. I like another translation said, they made a covenant to serve the Lord. Sometimes as a family, you need to make a covenant that we, this family will serve the Lord. There's we taught you that years ago, and maybe we need to bring that up again. But in, the, in this, in this COVID-19 crisis, maybe as a family, you gather together and you make a covenant that as for this family, we shall serve the Lord. And you sign it together. And you hang it on the wall to never forget. Then all the people of the land went down to the house of Baal and tore it down. Well, I thought the house of Baal was destroyed. No. That's the one in northern Israel, among the ten. Now, Baal has a place of worship in Jerusalem also. Then all the people of the land went to the house of Baal and tore it down 
his altars and his images they broke in pieces. And they killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. And the priest posted watchmen over the house of God. Now, well, why did Joadiah post watchmen over the house of God? So that there would be no retaliation from these followers of Baal. And he took captains, the Karites, the guards, and all the people of the land. And they brought the king down from the house of the Lord, marching through the gate of the guards to the king's house. And he took his seat on the throne of the kings. So all the people of the land rejoiced. And the city was quiet after Athaliah had been put to death with the sword at the king's house. Now, I want you to notice a great truth. Proverbs says, rebuke a mocker. Drive out, and let's say rebuke, drive out a mocker. And then there's peace and quiet. Now, in the same way here, when you drive out this wicked woman, there is peace among people. And the city was quiet. Now, the translation, the city was at peace after Athaliah had been put to death. You know, you remove a mocker and everything becomes peaceful. It's absolutely amazing. This woman was the ultimate mocker and murderer. Verse 21, Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. Can you imagine? This is called the boy king. Chapter 12, verse 1. You say, how did he become successful? Well, you're about to see. Chapter 12, verse 1. In the seventh year of Jehu, so that's the king of the ten tribes. In the seventh year of Jehu, Joash began to reign. So it took seven years between the time Jehu killed the father of Joash until Joash became king. And he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. So Joash had a long reign, like, like King David. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. And Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days, because Joadiah the priest instructed him. Now, did you get, did you get that? See, the role of a spiritual leader in your life is not to control you, but it is to instruct you. And if you will listen to those instructions, it is amazing what God will do in your life. So Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days. See, th this is the role of pastors today. We are to teach you the ways of God that you can walk in them, and then the blessings of God come to your life. Then Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days. Because Joadiah the priest instructed him. He didn't say, well, I'm king, so I don't have to listen to anybody. No, he, he listened to Joadiah the priest all of his days. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. And the people continued to sacrifice and make offerings on the high places. So Joadiah did what was right all of his days, but there were still things he should have done. You know, there's always some things we can do better. Verse 4, Joash said to the priests, all the money of the holy things that is brought into the house of the Lord, the money for which each man is assessed, the money from the assessment of persons. Now, this is what Moses would call the temple tax. That's not the tithe. This is the temple tax. The money from the assessment of persons and the money that a man's heart prompts him to bring to the house of the Lord. Let the priests take each from his donor and let them repair the house wherever any, any need of repairs is discovered. But by the 23rd year of King Joash, now so there's 23 years this has been going on and it's not done yet. The priests had made no repairs in the house. 
Therefore King Johash summoned Joadiah the priest and the other priests and said to him, Why are you not repairing the house? Now therefore take no more money from your donors, but hand it over for the repair of the house. Ah. So the priests weren't passing everything on they were supposed to. So the priests agreed that they should take no more money from the people and that they should not repair the house. So they were taking money and not using it. These, these priests were a little corrupt folks. They were taking the money and not using it for what it was designated for. So how did Joadiah fix this? Well, he changed the structure of the offering. Rather than the temple tax being brought, and temple tax is basically the, what every Jew paid to maintain the temple. Okay, This is in addition to the tithe. Then Joadiah the priest took a chest and bored a hole in the lid of it and set it beside the altar on the right side as one entered the house of the Lord. So he said, the priest can't go out and accept offerings from people anymore. The people have to bring it and put it in the box. And the priest who guarded the threshold put in all the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. And whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, the king's secretary and the high priest came up, and they bagged and counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they would give the money that was weighed out into the hands of the workmen who had oversight of the house of the Lord. And they paid it out to the carpenters and the builders who worked on the house of the Lord, and to the masons and stonecutters, as well as to buy timber and quarried stones for making repairs on the house of the Lord, and for any outlay for repairs of the house. But there was not made for any of the house of the Lord basins of silver, snuffers, bowls, trumpets, or any vessels of gold, or of silver, for the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, that was given to the workmen for repairing the house of the Lord with it. And they did not ask for an accounting from the men whose hand they had delivered the money to pay out the workmen, for they dealt honestly. So, okay, these priests up here, they weren't passing the money on. They, 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 they weren't honest. But the workmen who rebuilt the house of God, they dealt honestly. Wow, that's kind of a switch, isn't it? The money from the guilt offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priests. Now, that's why the priest, you know, well, you know, this was really given to me. This really belongs to me. It's amazing how people can confuse things. At that time, now let me make that really clear. There is donations that were brought in that belonged to the priests, but they were also to separate what was given for the repair of the house of the Lord and the temple tax. They never somehow made that separation in their mind. That's how this confusion came about. So again, Josiah, Jehoash, Jehoash fixed with a structural change. He put a box with a hole in it. At that time, Hazel, king of Syria, went up and fought against Gath and took it. But when Hazel set his face to go up against Jerusalem, Jehoash, king of Judah, took all the sacred gifts that Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, his fathers, the kings of Judah, had dedicated, and his own sacred gifts, and all the gold that was found in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house. And they sent these to Hazal, king of Syria. Then Hazal went away from Jerusalem. So rather than fight a battle and rather than pray, they paid for their peace. Hmm. Again, rather than fight a battle, Rather than pray, they bought their peace. Verse 19. Now the rest of the acts of Joash and all he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the king of Judah? His servants rose and made a conspiracy and struck down Joash in the house of Milo, that was on its way down to Silah. It was Josachar, the son of Shemeth, and Jehozabad, the son of Shomer, his servants, who struck him down, and so he died. 
And they buried him with his fathers, the king in the city of David, and Amaziah his son reigned in his place. Now, I put a little why in my Bible. Why did they kill the king who'd been there for 40 years and enthrone his son in his place? But we'll see that answer at a later time. All right. It's fun to sit down and read the Bible with you every day. And please let me remind you, uh, keep your Twitter and keep your Facebook words sweet today. Don't allow disappointment to come with bitter words out of your heart. We're going to make it through this thing. Yes, we don't like it that the quarantine was extended, but we're going to make it through this and it will be well with us. God is with you. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.